Welcome to Group Talk, a monthly podcast conversation from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small groups ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax and listen to today's program. Happy November, Small Group Network family. Jason Banzoff here again for another great episode of Group Talk. As a lot of us are rolling into seasons of thankfulness, we want to let you know that we are thankful for you and all you do for small groups in your local churches. Now, before we get started, let's talk about Accelerate. Grow as a leader and strengthen your team and accelerate the health and growth of your small group ministry by attending one of our upcoming small group conferences. As a podcast listener, you and your team can receive a 25% off discount for our Florida Accelerate workshop happening January 14th through the 16th. Use promo code GROUPTALK. Enjoy the majestic views of the Rockies during Accelerate Colorado, happening February 20th through the 22nd. Lock in the early bird price by November 28th. And lastly, the Lobby Gathering Conference will be happening March 12th through the 14th in Southern California. Give yourself a Christmas gift by locking in the early bird price by December 31st. Go to smallgroupnetwork.com slash events to register for these events or to lock in the super early bird price on other 2019 Accelerate locations. On this month's episode, Carolyn Takeda chats with Tracy Ware about crafting a small group agreement. Enjoy. Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host and the Small Groups Pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. A friend once told me that expectations are the birthplace of resentment. Now think about that for a second. This is actually very true. Our expectations actually build in resentment when they aren't met. So when you start a new small group and you gather a bunch of people together, every person walks in with a set of unspoken expectations and assumptions they may not even be aware of about what the group's going to be, what the group will do, or how the people will relate to one another. And of course, these expectations can be based on their previous experiences in small groups or in different churches or in similar social situations, as well as their stage of spiritual maturity or their stage of life or even their personal needs. Um, So how do we manage these expectations so that instead of resentment and frustration, we instead help groups identify what they are and unite around a common goal and to grow together? So on the program today, we're going to talk about group agreements or group covenants. These can be very helpful tools to help establish ground rules and manage our expectations and help others do so as well. And so we're going to discuss essential elements to creating a successful group agreement. And on the program with me today, I'm very excited about this because we have one of our rare international guests. We have Tracy Ware from Melbourne, Australia. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Carolyn. So great to be here. And we get a cool accent at the same time, (laughs) so even bonus. Um, Tracy has a passion for small group ministry, which goes way back to her teenage years um, because it was in a small group that she was mentored and challenged and discipled in her Christian faith. Tracy's a pastor. She's um, led a church with her husband, and she's also had roles as small groups pastor in a number of churches, both in um, New South Wales and in Victoria. And she's a volunteer Australian leader for the Small Group Network, and she's been in this role for a couple of years now. Um, and she contributes monthly to our blog on the website. So you may recognize her name from her blogs. And then also she has started the first uh, small group huddle in Australia. And then in 2018, just a few months ago, she organized um, a small groups of purpose conference with Steve Gladen. Was that fun? How did that go? 
That was very much fun, but also a fantastic experience. And it was just fantastic to have Steve and Lisa here in Australia. Mm. It was a great um, amount of organisation to make it happen, but we were very excited that they came. And very successful from our perspective here in Australia because we had about 220 people at the Melbourne conference wow. and then just just under 100 in Sydney. So, wow. Yeah, it was just fantastic and a dream come true from my perspective because I had this very deep desire to try to kickstart a bit more small group ministry happening here in Australia. So very thankful that Steve and Lisa came. Well, we're thankful that you are serving the network and um, small group pastors in Australia. And I know before we dive into our topic, I'm so curious. I wanted to hear a bit about what small groups ministry is like in Australia. Most of our listeners are North American and and um, we have that bias. And But I'm curious about how is small groups ministry in Australia similar or different than here in the States? Well, I think that it's the similarities are that small groups um, happen in churches across different denominations. The the thing that I would say is probably the the biggest difference from what I have kind of my reading in doing you know connection with small group network is that we have obviously less people involved in small group ministry here in Australia. We don't often have a small group pastor uh, mm. employed in a church to do small group ministry. If small groups are happening, it's often a volunteer leader who's looking after small group ministry in a local context. Or if someone is employed on staff, they might have three different roles that they need to fulfil. And it's very much still that small groups are just one of many things that happen in the life of church. So people have, you know, an option. They either opt in or opt out. It's not what I would like to see happen, the core vehicle for, mm-hmm. for helping a church develop their mission and, and vision that God has given to them. So I see that probably happening more in the States, that kind of core, this, you know, small groups is how we we are the church um, more than here in Australia. Yeah, but I think I think that experience is very common here as well, especially in smaller um, church environments yeah. where really a lot of our listeners are lay leaders that um, volunteer and give of their time and energy to to help with small groups in the area. I think depending on the church, yeah, the the swing of the pendulum. Um, is is definitely moving more towards the core. Now you've been uh, leading huddles in Melbourne Melbourne as well. What what kind of issues are popular in the huddles? I'm curious about whether they're any different than the ones that pop up in my huddle. Oh, we, you know, talk about how do you find more leaders? How do you train leaders? So it's the same stuff. (laughs) It's the same. It's the same. You know, how do I um, encourage my senior pastor to Mm. really be passionate about small groups? Um, How do we link new people into small groups how do we plant small groups i'd say probably the same issues and challenges come across in our huddles that they do in america one thing about huddles i'm very excited about is that we started our first huddle in australia in melbourne and then at one started in adelaide which is in another state in south australia but since steve has come one of my main goals has to develop more huddles so we've got one more started in Melbourne, one started in New South Wales in Wollongong. Um, I've got another one kind of bubbling away as a prospect in Melbourne. I've been to Sydney to talk to some pastors wow. about starting a there. And I was just last week in Brisbane helping at a conference and I went and met with some pastors there. So I'm wow. trying to encourage some pastors there to get involved in, in starting a huddle. So that 
impetus from Steve coming, um, I'm trying to build on that to get people understanding that networking as small group pastors is such a valuable thing and uh, that's what I'm kind of passionate about at the moment. Well that's wonderful and when, when we do think of Australia and pray for you then we'll remember to do that that God is working yes. through these huddles right. and, and we want to keep encouraging that. Um, so we'll shift gears and go to our topic today and we're focusing on this very specific tool that's popular in small groups ministry um, and it's come to be called either a small group covenant or a small group agreement but um, maybe we'll start off, Tracy, but let's define what that is. What are we talking about when we talk about a small group agreement? Well, for me, it's a, well, I was going to say a document, but that sounds very legal, but not <laughs> so much. I do think it's important to have it written down because you forget what you've agreed to. Sure. But I suppose it's a, it's a tool to help a group understand who they are, what they're trying to achieve, and also some practical issues about how their small group runs. So it's about clarity. For me, it's about Mm -hmm. clarity. What is our group on about and what are we going to do and how are we going to go about achieving what we we say we're about? Have you typically asked groups um, that you've in ministry settings you've been in to um, always do a group agreement or do you leave it up to them to decide or do you just make that part of the the training and part of um, the DNA of the ministry? Um, I always, I have what I call a small group um, starter kit and there is an exercise in there. So when a small group is, is new and forming, I have put together a document which is like, a starter kit and one of the things that I ask groups to do is to follow this process of put it, mm. setting up an agreement. And so I have this sheet and I call it quietly think about this. And so it's a sheet <laughs> that gives all the, pe- all the people in the group, um, no one's allowed to talk, but there's a couple of questions on there. What would you like to see happen in this group? What steps are you willing to take to make it come about? Mm. And ask them to write it down quietly because what I find is if you just have an open discussion, everyone says, oh, yeah, I agree with Carolyn or I agree with what Tracy said. Right. But actually getting them to write it down themselves, they have to think about it. That's for great. What's going, what's going to be important for me? And then the other question is what would you not like to see happen hmm. in this group? And I've kind of got a little in brackets, lack of commitment, wasting time, gossip, to give them a bit of a thinking direction to to kind of think of and then once everyone's had an opportunity to quietly think about this and write down what (laughs) is important to them and we talk about it as a group and out of that the basis of the small group agreement is formed and do you do you find that um so then after they write it down quietly everybody shares what they've written down yep and And what if there's not consensus well what I have found in my experience of doing this, mostly the same topics come up. Right. You know, <laughs> as far as, you know, we, we don't want, you know, people not coming and not turning up. We want people to be there regularly. We want to start and finish on time. We don't want people staying here at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. in our house. You know, we don't want people breaking confidentiality if we want to build trust in this group. So I find that even though different things, different words may be used, if you're being a leader, you can can see where the different um, groups of ideas and thoughts come from when people share what they've written down. And then um, after we've written all that, just, you know, what everyone has set up on the piece of paper, um, 
I make sure that the small group leader actually has a list of things like attendance, safety, confidentiality, accountability, um, growing, you know, growing mm -hmm. as a group, responsibility. And so the things that I think they're important that they need to talk about. So if they haven't come up in the discussion and, and have been written down by the group members, that those things are talked about after people's input has come. And then it's the leader's job to go away and try to maybe write it in different areas mm -hmm. and then come back and talk to the group again. So kind of collate that information. Oh, that's interesting. I have never... I've never kind of had a group that has not been able to actually write some ground rules or a covenant or agreement from that process. Oh, that's interesting because I think a lot of churches have a form already pre-made for the group to use. and mm. But your process is much more organic. So you kind of make them do the, the work of putting it together, which then there's probably more ownership, I'm guessing. Yep, yep, definitely. Have, and they've had an opportunity to think about what it is that they want from the group and to be able to communicate it. The group is about the group. It's not about someone coming and saying, these are the things that you need to follow in your group. Hmm. If that makes sense. Right, right. Have I you had still, anyone... I Sorry, I was just going to say, I still encourage them to think about some things that I think are important for a group if that if it doesn't come up in the conversation. Right. Have you had any um, groups, Tracy, that pushed back and said, no, we don't want to do this? It feels too legal. It feels too rigid or too, like, institutional, so we don't want to do it. Um, look, I probably have had that, maybe not as strong as that, but just like, oh, we don't need, we don't need to do it. But I still encourage them to at least do that first little, those first two questions and talk about it as, yeah. as a group to begin with, even if they don't necessarily want to write anything up uh, or, you know, I mean, I don't encourage group members to sign it or anything like that. You don't? Okay, because, yeah, some churches do that. They have the whole yeah. signing process, yeah. which I, I have to say I don't require that either because it feels, then you start really feeling very legal and formalic. Yeah. No, I think it's more about, for me, it's a sense of clarity for the group about, you know, what what is our group going to be about and how are we going to you work together? You know, are we going to share leadership? Are we going to um, share child? What are we going to do about childcare? Um, do we get, are we going to set times for finishing and starting? Because when you actually have had, had a conversation about that, when those challenges come up, somewhere down the track, you know, if your group decided we're going to start at 7.30 and finish by 9.30 and then people are still around at 10.30, instead of it making <laughs> a personal challenge, you go back to, well, remember when we had that conversation right. at the beginning, we said that this was important for us. So you actually not making it a personal issue but going back to as a group we decided this. So it kind of can be a tool for helping conflict, I think, Yes, somewhere down the track. If, if need be. Yeah, mm. I wonder, though, if groups disagree. Like, say, in the group they're having the conversation and someone says, I think we should be able to stay, you know, as long as we need to because what if God's stirring stuff up and we need to talk and we don't want to have an artificial end time and other people are like, I have to go to work the next day and the kids have to go to school, so I need you out of my house by this time. Like, have you had those kinds of situations come up? Um. No, not not in my experience. I think most people here in Australia recognise that it's important because groups are normally on a work night evening and most groups recognise that, um, you know, their host family 
needs to go to bed. <laughs> I mean, when there's an end, you know, say your group decides to leave, you finish at 9 o'clock, the group finishes at 9 o'clock. Someone might, you know, the host family might be happy to hang around and have a cup or whatever, but at the official group time right. finishes at a particular time. And so then the people who need to go need to, you know, can go. So it's – there is flexibility, you know. You can't just, okay, we're in the middle of – Susan telling us all about this tragic thing that's happening for her and so suddenly it's, you know, 9.30, sorry, we've got to go. And, you know, I think there's... I think there is flexibility there. Right, um, there's some of that. And then, of course, the beginning of a group is the best time to do uh, yeah. um, do yeah. one of these agreements. Um, I've also, and maybe you've done this too, I've also um, used the group covenant as a method for groups that kind of need a boost. Like they've forgotten their purpose. They kind of have become yeah. too comfortable. Um, they've kind of gotten slack on the rules. Maybe it's midnight and they're still there. I mean, whatever it may yeah. be, just as uh, to say, hey, it might be a good time to um, to do a new one. Yep, yep. And if a group hasn't got one and there's some challenges in the group, I always say, well, you know, how about you go back and look at your agreement and if you've never done an agreement, why don't you do one? Why don't you think about it? And then I would give them these questions to do as an exercise yeah yeah it's yeah, interesting so to see great. it's interesting to see too in some of the more long-term groups when they do it um that they find that sometimes some of their purposes and their primary goals may have shifted because now they've been together a year and the friendship's already there but perhaps it's now more towards we really want to dig into scripture really want to um, do serving things or have evangelism. I, I think sometimes the purpose can change over the life of a group and be focused a yeah. little differently. And so it gives them an opportunity to, to revisit that issue um, along the way. Yeah. And that's where I think it's really helpful to actually have the things that you decided written down because mm. the three things that I think are successful in helping a small group agreement be developed is involve the whole group, which is what I talked about, you know, sit them down and get them to contribute. Um, write it up and then um, review and adapt it. So I would think after 12 months, sitting down with something that you've written up at the beginning of, you know, the year to review it. Well, how have we gone with the things that we said were important for our group and what can we review, you know, how do we review it? And if you have a small group where new people are coming in. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It's kind of a little bit tricky and it depends on I suppose your philosophy of small group ministry in the life of your church but I would encourage groups to be open for a little while then closed for a little while and that's when you would have you know that group agreement in play and then you know if they're you know, closed for six months and they've built that sense of belonging and, and trust and then they want to be open to invite new people then you would have to review your agreement or, or start the process again if there's new people. So that kind of all depends on your philosophy of small groups. I know some small groups are open all the time and you might have new people coming every week. I have a few challenges about that kind of philosophy, but I know that different philosophies mm -hmm. work in different contexts, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's... I think, group agreements in, I think group agreements in those churches that have the philosophy that anybody can come it's a bit tricky in that context. Yeah, I think you can do it in that context, um, and we have some groups like that, but there's an understanding that you need a lot more flex. 
Um, yeah. Especially if you have uh, more non-believers or it's more evangelistic, yeah. then there's yeah. a lot more grace and flex on attendance and some of the other um, other criteria that we wouldn't ask of, yeah. a, of a more mature, spiritually mature group. So yeah. there's, yeah, I think it's very adaptable. But let's say, so Trace, what are like the critical pieces that um, you just read yours off real quick, but let's kind of break that down. What are the critical pieces that should be included in um, the agreement? Uh, the first one, I think you said the same thing. It's the first one on mine too, is confidentiality. Yeah, um, yeah. I would say that's probably the key one for me because you don't want you know, I've, I've been in situations where someone has learnt something about me that was shared in a small group right. that I thought was confidential and then someone else finds out about it, then that just destroys your sense of trust. Yes. Um, and if, you, if small groups are a place where we want to help each other grow in our, journey, our faith journey, then that trust is, is so vital to that process. So confidential is certainly very high on my list. I also think the agreement around starting and finishing times mm-hmm. is a great frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you started the, the podcast today with that that quote, which was fantastic. But I think the frustration for people in groups can often come from the start and finish time. Right. You know, we have to wait till everybody's come. Yes. And then, you, know, <laughs> uh, you know, or you know, I need to get home, and it's no one's concluded the group so I feel like you know so I think that 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 is one of the key ones for me and the other one that is really high on my list is sharing the group roles Hmm. I think for a healthy small group it's not just the leader doing everything which often happens in small groups but actually the group is the groups so we need to be sharing the roles we need to be finding out where people's spiritual gifts are and releasing those gifts within the group context or encouraging people to try different roles to find out if it is a gift because often, particularly in larger churches, we don't have the scope for lots of people doing stuff. If if someone's got a gift of worship and, you know, they're not on the worship team for the weekend services because of whatever reason, Mm -hmm. where are they going to use their gift? Mm. And to me, small groups is a great place for people to use their gifts. So I'm a great believer in talking about sharing the roles in a small group. And that includes leading the discussion. Right. Um, because that's also how you develop leaders. For sure. And I think I mean? just even setting the expectation, because part of it is, yep. is the purpose of this document in part is that we're setting expectations. Um, yes. And by saying, even if you don't know week one, week two, what the different gifts are and you don't know what roles people okay. will have, just to set this expectation that we will all use our gifts within the body and we will identify what they are together and then we're going to find yeah. ways to, to employ them um, for one another. I think just to have that as a stated thing is probably sufficient, even if we don't know the specifics. Um, I, it's interesting because sometimes groups want to get, get want to get really specific, and other times they leave things very vague. And it depends on the personality. <laughs> a lot of times of the leader, of course. Um, mm. But there, but I think in those cases, I'm like, just put something down that states the value. To me, the document is more about the value and the desire um, of the yeah. inten- the intentionality of it 
um, even if you tend to, you know, you can flex on the specific application, like sharing hosting. It's kind of like sharing leadership. That That's nice to have in there. Um, stuff around child care, if that's relevant, that seems very important to have in there yeah. um, because it, that's an area that tends to have conflict later. Yeah. Yeah. It's always tricky. I don't know about in the States, but here it's always very tricky young families having small oh, groups how are we going to, yeah how are we going to do that how does how does it work for families you know it's yeah it's a big thing it's complicated and then actually what's interesting too is some of the conflict that comes up around it is that people have very different parenting styles and people are very attached personally to their own parenting styles which makes sense um, and that can be a source of tension or conflict or judgment or misunderstanding yeah. Um, and I remember being in a group, we were in a group with our, when our kids were in preschool and we were in a family group, which meant the kids were with us and we let, every, we took turns letting each of our home, homes get destroyed every Friday night. <laughs> that was, we kind of accepted that that's what was going to happen. So you take your turn and we let the kids run around. Um, and one of the things we said earlier on, and I think this was really helpful to us is that we recognized that all five of families had different parenting styles. Uh, but all five are Christians, and that we had a high level of trust by that point with one another to say, hey, you guys all parent differently, but if we see any of our kids doing something, do we give each other permission to um, talk to them and reprimand them or to just, you know, um, correct them like we would, like an aunt or uncle would? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was like huge for us because none of us had extended family in the area. And so we became like, really, we're really going to trust each other to. To, you know, yeah. correct one of our kids if something, you know, to have a chat with them. And um, and that took us to a new level. But it came out of because we were kind of tiptoeing around the whole, you know, we, yeah. how are we going to do with the kids? And the kids always kind of prompt more angst <laughs> in the group. Yeah. And I think that that points to what the whole idea of a, of a group agreement or covenant is. It's about clarity, mm -hmm. about everybody being on the same page. And so, you know, in that situation you were clear because you'd had a conversation about it. But when when people aren't clear, that's when, you know, that discontent right. comes and that frustration comes. When I do training sessions with other small group leaders, I, I have this little slide that I put up on the PowerPoint and I have about five different people on the slide and I say, you know, okay, this is Paul and he, in his last group he was the leader and he did everything. Then I say, this other person, Sue, and in her group, they shared the leadership roles. And this is Trevor. And in his last group, prayer and singing took up 50% of the time of their group together. And this is Gail. And in her group, they all they did was have coffee and dessert. And this is Jim and Leah. And in their last group, gossip caused so much problems in their group that they actually left the group. And this is Jim and in his group, it didn't matter if he turned up or not. And so I mm, go through this that's kind a of scenario. <clears throat> this is a group of people and yeah. this is their this is their backstory. Sure. And you're gonna put them in a group together. Right. No, that's a great way to do it. And they don't know anything about one another or their right. backstory. How are you, how are they gonna function as a group because of their expectations? Mm hmm um, have been, you know, shaped by their past experience. For so that's sure. one of the, I, I kind of use that as an example of it's really important mm -hmm. to have some clarity around 
what how you're going to operate as a group because people come with different expectations for sure and i that's that is such a great point and i love that exercise um i might have to buy i might have to borrow that one tracy it's a great way to talk <laughs> <You> about it <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing too, you talked about starting and ending on time. I think that's so important. That's a basic respect thing. Um, yeah. Sometimes our, our leaders feel insecure, I think, and they don't want to start until there's like enough people, whatever their definition mm-hmm. of enough people is. And we encourage them to start when you say you're going to start, and eventually, yeah. um, you know, people will train themselves to that. Um, just like our services, do we go late? Do we yes. start later and later? And it just kind of slides. And we want to reward good behavior, so let's reward the yeah. people who came on time. But uh, like that, I think also setting out um, length of the commitment. If it's a six week study, if it's an eight week yeah. study, if you're on a Master system versus a um, group for life system. Just again, setting clarity on what are you expected um, and attendance. Obviously, not everybody can come all the time, and so on ours it says, you know, when I can't come, I will give, I will yeah. let you know. Just the basic yeah. respect, and you almost feel like uh, sometimes our leaders say to us, "Why do we need to do this?" Because it, this is like basic courtesy. And I said, you know, but you don't know because they could have been in experiences where it was okay to not show yeah. up without giving notice or, you know, it's just, it's, you're kind of training them in what it looks like to be in community. Yeah. And it, it comes back to that clarity. You know, once again, you don't know unless you've actually talked about it. <clears throat> it's no different to being in relationship with your husband or your children. Right. If they don't know what you're, what you're expecting you know, then that makes it more conflict. Right. I suppose you know, there's a, there's a more chance of conflict if sure. you haven't actually spoken what you what you're expecting. Right. Um, and opportunity to hear what they're expecting. It's it's the same. So well, and then the trouble yeah. is, I think we kind of compound the problem as a small group point people because when we're recruiting for groups we say depending on the church we'll say things like you know this is where you're going to meet the people who are going to support you and care for you and be your best friends and keep you from being lonely and bring you meals when you're sick and who knows how what we've promised and that in itself builds expectation then your senior leadership might have their expectation of you know i want every group to have deep bible studies so that they know the bible well um, and we, you know, deal with Bible illiteracy now this way, or we, yeah. you know, there's, there's even among, I think, even for ourselves to be clear about what it is we're expecting our groups to do um, and be, and then also how does that line up what the church is asking for these groups to do and be, and then how does it fit with individual people that are actually sitting in the group? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I very strongly believe that the small group ministry in the life of a church is there to be this you know one of the central ways to help a church achieve the vision that God has asked mm-hmm. them to to achieve so you know that's an overarching kind of philosophy that that I believe so that to me needs to be discussed in the small right. group agreement that this is what this is what small groups, this is how we connect to the bigger picture. We're not just doing our own little thing. Right. Um, you know, we're actually on a team mm-hmm. of a lot of small groups in the life of this church um, trying to achieve what God has asked us to achieve. So, you know, whatever it is uh, for that particular church that they believe that God's given them to do, then that's what that's what we're on about. Right. So, you know, if you've got, if you've got a vision statement, you know, about, developing discipleship and 
growing growing in discipleship or um, reaching other people for Jesus, then that should be the core thing of what we're trying to yes. do in a small group. So hopefully, you know, when you discuss that as well in your small group agreement, there's more clarity about yes. that as well. Well, we're I, that's that's a that's a great point though, and I think that's one that's well taken because otherwise it's not your own independent thing, and that get, builds a kind of a structure. The vision of the church as a whole yep. builds a structure for what the small group piece goes in, and um, we're almost out of time. But I did want to say, is there anything else you think is an indispensable part that should be included um, in the group agreement? Oh, how about um, prayer? Is- Maybe. Oh, yeah, prayer. Prayer's always good. <laughs> uh, yes, no, I think it's important to, to pray and uh, to have a sense of that connecting with God. To me, the prayer is that the worship aspect of the of the small group, and I encourage this is where the roles kind of take, mm-hmm. you know, right. sharing the roles. Right. Encourage different people to maybe lead that prayer time in a creative way. And the other thing I was going to say is participation. Mm. You know, I've seen a little video on our small group network Facebook page about group in a box. You've probably seen that. Yes. Some of the listeners might have seen it as well. <laughs> but the, the one thing in that little box that really struck me was uh, some little cards that they'd done and to share the roles in the group. But one of the ca- cards was participation or um I can't remember exactly the word that the person used, excuse me, but basically the idea was everybody had to take a card for the next week to, you know, run the small group in, you know, either leading the discussion or leading the prayer time or whatever. And then everybody got a participation card. So everybody got a role for the next week. Mm. So actually it was important for people to contribute in the life of, Mm -hmm. of the small group for the next week. So if you had this participation or contribution card or whatever you know you had to contribute to the conversation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it wasn't just that you could sit there and say nothing right right and that that's a great point i think authenticity and i've seen this in some other ones um that you're committing you're committing to participating committing to being authentic yeah. um yeah. committing to sharing you know real stuff so I, i've seen that in different agreements put in different languages of different contexts but i do think that it's again that seems kind of obvious because you're in the group why would you show up if you weren't going to participate? But surprisingly, I think some of those things really need to be said. So, yes. So, any final well, thoughts, well, um, Tracy? No, no. I think that <laughs> that's great. Well, thank, thank you. you so- Oh, well, thank you for all you're doing um, in Australia and for the network and these huddles that are, are just lifelines for small group pastors and point leaders. Mm-hmm. So thank you for your ministry. Yeah. And you can connect with Tracy on our Facebook um, small group network page. She's on there a bit. And also you can read the blogs as well. And if you're listening from Australia, there's a number of huddles now, you know, um, I'm sure Tracy would love to connect with you. And you can do that um, through our small group network website and our Facebook page. So um, thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time. Thank you, Carolyn and Tracy for this great episode. Now, before we go, The small group network has gone Spanish. Do you or someone you know speak Spanish? Our new website is up and running. Visit reddegrupospequeños.com to get great resources in Espanol. Thanks for listening to this month's episode, and we'll see you next month. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. 
We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.